Inside the Coach's Headset, presented by Tony Smith, your hometown shelter insurance agent. Call Tony at 528-7079. 528-7079. The X's and O's of coaching from the Upper Cumberland's best as we go Inside the Coach's Headset. Welcome, everybody, to Inside the Coach's Headset, brought to you by Tony Smith, your shelter insurance agent. We are broadcasting on UCSportsNation.com. Excited to have a, a special guest with us today on, on this week's podcast, the head coach of the Upperman High School Lady B softball team, the Upperman Middle School uh, football team, as well as a defensive coordinator for the Upperman Bees High School football team. If you haven't noticed, he's a little busy. His name is uh, Dustin Williams. Dustin, thanks so much for carving out some time with us. Hey, thank you very much, Amos. I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show. Dustin, we know, obviously, you're you're involved in a lot of things and, and have a real deep passion for coaching, but why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into coaching and some of the influences that, that you use in order for your philosophy today? <laughs> well, I'll make, a, I'll make a very long story very short. Um, uh, I was able very – uh, when Watson Brown took over the football program at Tennessee Tech, uh, he offered a bunch of us local guys uh, that probably weren't good enough to play at that level an opportunity. So uh, I continued to play football in, in college at Tennessee Tech in 07 and into 08 and got out of that. And uh, he just I got to find myself, you know, about what I want to do because sports is all I ever knew, really, uh, all the way growing up. So a buddy of mine gave me the opportunity to go work on the on the pipeline. So I packed up ship after spring practice and uh, went to Arizona. And I got my first paycheck, and I said, well, crap, I ain't never going to do anything else again. I ain't never seen money like this. <laughs> and uh, after about three months of working 70, 80 hours a week, six, seven days a week, I called my mom. I was in Phoenix, and we were on lunch break one day, and I called mom. And uh, as the summer went on, I called mom a whole lot more than what I did when I first got there. So I, I said, and and get back into school. Of course, I never quit school. It was over the summer, but I want to get back in and, and change my major from business to education. I think I, you know, maybe want to try to do that. And of course, she said just as quick as she could get out of her mouth. She said, "Well, you know, your your cousin Ben, the middle school. I'm sure he'd love to have you on his staff." And uh, I come back and called Ben, uh, and and he gave me the opportunity to coach middle school football with him that next year, and it, it kind of went from there. And when Ben Heron got the head, he carried me along with him. And, and that's kind of how I got started into, into coaching. You know, I guess when I got to college, my dad was a banker and uh, mom was a teacher. So uh, I was going to go the business route just because I knew there was a lot of opportunities. But that's just you know, that's not where the Lord was going to lead me. So uh, ultimately, I just had to follow that. And uh, I've been very blessed in, in the opportunities that I've had. And and uh, coach, in looking at being able to diversify yourself in, in terms of uh, coaching high school football, coaching middle school football, and then flipping it and going into high school uh, girls softball, uh, there's a lot of similarities in terms of intensity and working out and and working together because they're all team sports. But you're dealing with boys and girls as well as 
different age groups that can pose some challenges. Tell us a little bit about how you manage those types of things and how do you approach your players to really buy into to what you're trying to get them to do. Well, first off, probably one of the best pieces of advice that I ever received when I got into coaching softball was, number one, girls and boys are different, obviously. And number two, the big thing is that boys have to play good to feel good, whereas girls have to feel good to play good. And you can ask any of my softball players that played for me when I uh, become head coach in, in 2015, I was very hard to handle as a coach. And of course, I'm 24 or 5 years old at that time, very young head coach. A whole lot of softball background besides the two years that I'd spent under Ben Heron uh, coaching high school softball as well. Uh, you're going to hear his name a bunch here because I tell him all the time it's his fault that got me in all this mess. Uh, but um, it, that, that was a big step because I'd only coached, really I'd coached middle school football for a couple of years and then got into high school and we had uh, quite a bit of success early on. And, you know, as a 23, 24, 25 year old middle 20s guy, I, I took a lot of that to my head, uh, unfortunately. And, and I thought that was the only way to do things. Uh, was just very, very hard on my players, and 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 I, I acted very emotionally at times. And I was very fortunate, a great assistant softball coach, Mike Hurst, who who always keeps me grounded and keeps me calm. Um, because you know his big comment always is, "The girls are going to play off the emotions of the coach," and I'm learning that as I get a little older. I'm watching other coaches and the way that they act in in football and in softball, and of course I referee college basketball as well in the middle of those two seasons. So I, I watch a lot of coaches. So I try to pull a little bit of good and stay away from the bad. But I, I agree 100% that the girls especially, and the boys too, but probably a little bit more the girls, will react to the emotions of the coach. So you just got to keep it cool as for the majority of the time and try to be that way and not have just a super roller coaster, you know, because you're, you're up and you're down. That's the way your team's going to be. So I try to now, my philosophy and my focus is to try to keep it even keel. And that way, when I do go way up, the girls know, oh, crap. Or my, my boys know, oh, uh, he really means it. And, and there's a passion level there uh, for that. So I try to never be in the valley. I try to really never just downgrade a player, you know, and, and make them feel worthless, um, and I try to not go on the other end and just be super over the top all the time either now and try to keep it right there in the middle. So that's, a, that's, that's something I work on every year, and I feel like I get better at it every year because I'm telling you, I, I've had to apologize to a lot of players from my earlier career, and I hate that, that, that they didn't get to experience kind of where we're going now. Um, so that's just something me personally I try to work on every season and, and very fortunate to have good coaches that surround me that, that helped me out, and, and probably none other than Ben Heron and Mike Hurst that, uh, that's been around, you know, through, through both of those times um, to, to really help me out as far as to get me to where I need to be at and, and really grounded. And I've had the opportunity, as you know, to umpire one of your high school softball games, and, and uh, I agree, yourself and – Coach Hurst, whom I know pretty well as well, uh, you guys have a, a, a quiet confidence that I think exudes through your players 
in order to, to, to let them know that you believe in them. But with that, you know when to speak up when, when necessary. Talk to us a little bit about that because I think one of the hardest things, uh, especially now with, with the kind of the way the world is and the way kids live in it, uh, one of the hardest things that I would think that a coach would run into is telling a kid that you need to improve without breaking their spirit. Tell, tell us how do you maneuver through that in order to really get everything that you can out of that player to be successful? Well, there's a couple different steps, Amos, to be honest with you. Number one, the expectation level has to be very high, and you have to hold kids accountable and make sure that there's a responsibility level there that they know exists uh, on a personal level or on team level as well. Um, that's, that's the first thing is setting the bar. Uh, you don't want to set it – uh, I mean, too high because you can also get into a deal to where you're going to put players in a position to not be successful. So, obviously, you have to know your team and your skill level. And I can't ask, I can't ask somebody to do what somebody else, you know, does. Uh, it's unfair. We ran into that this past year while you know, we won the district regular season in 18. And Danny over there at the cab, he does an amazing job. A good friend of mine, and I have a lot of respect for him. They knocked us off in the in the championship that year, but we replaced all four of the infielders on next year's team, including Hannah Hughes, who's playing at Roan State, uh, Riley Hurst, who, I mean, everybody knows who Riley Hurst is, you know, up at Campbellsville, and she knocks the cover off the ball. So I can't ask girls to come in the next year, and I can't coach them the exact same way. They're all going to get coached fairly, but they're not all going to be coached evenly. So Coach Hurst and I and Coach Wood, or Coach Nash, sorry, she's married now, uh, we, we all agree and we meet and talk about this all the time, is that we have to be honest with our players. You can't, you can't sugarcoat that, and you can't go and, and, and try to talk to uh, players and, and kind of beat around the bush. They can call your bluff very quickly this day and age, I feel like. You know, when I was playing you know, in high school, I played you know, football down here and basketball and baseball, all three. You, I'd have done whatever the coach told me to do. It's not, the, it's not the same in this day and age. You have to be really honest with your players and they have to know where their bar is at. And my biggest thing that I preach in football and in softball is that each player has to find their successes because Raleigh Hurst's successes were not the same as Hannah Hughes and Sierra Denton and Abby Gatlin and Sam Greenwood, all those players that I had you know, two years ago. Everybody had different successes. So the key to being successful, I feel like, is to get every single player – geared toward and headed to that direction to reach their success, and inevitably that will be what helps the team have success. You're listening to head coach Dustin Williams of the Upperman High School Lady B softball team. He's also the head coach of the Upperman Middle School football team as well as the defensive coordinator of the Upperman High School Bs. on the football team uh, right here on Inside the Coach's Headset, sponsored by Tony Smith, your shelter insurance agent. Call Tony at 528-7079 for all your insurance needs. Dustin, let's talk a little bit more about football right now, especially we're in football season. The season is kind of coming down to the end. Uh, You've seen a lot of success here recently uh, at Upperman High School, at the high school level, uh, making it – uh, almost to Murphy or to to Cookville uh, last year, and really coming off a, a 
a great season, having another good season this year. Uh, some of the things defensively, because a lot of high school football teams, they're, they're a, a, an option type of offense now. You don't see a lot of, of uh, you know, run and shoot, anything like that. And some, especially at the uh, at the division that, that Upperman is playing right now or in as far as the TWSAA goes, still runs a, a, a wing T uh, triple option type of offense. How do you teach kids the disciplines of following the ball when there's so many different options that the offense can really choose from to attack you? <laughs> well, uh, to be honest, uh, you know, I've only known defense up until this season. Um, you know, I've been here in, uh, in, the, in the 2013 year. He pretty much told me that summer that I was going to call the defense and I was going to stop the run. That was my only, that was my only guidance was to stop the run. So uh, I tried to pull resources, meet with coaches I respected and uh, done that. But, you know, this year, obviously, me taking over the middle school football program and not being – uh, as it uh, tied into the high school as much, uh, I also called the offense. So I'm trying to learn the, the major differences. Of course, I've been around football all my life, and it's kind of my top passion as far as sports goes, um, growing up and playing. So I, I really had to – you don't realize as a coach, when you play, you just do as others tell you to do. You're almost like a robot. You know, you just, hey, do this, here's how to do it, blah, blah, blah. And as a coach – now I'm seeing the other side of that thing, how to get these things related to the kids, to the student athletes in this day and age. And going back to your question defensively, I think the answer is what we found, uh, Coach Kane uh, at the high school, not now, who does an, uh, an amazing job overall running a program, but as well his specialization of defense as well. He taught me you've got to have a home base. You all the flashy stuff that people are trying to do with all these exotic blitzes and fronts and coverages. I mean, yeah, that looks good, but if you don't have the horses to be able to do that, you're not going to put your kids into a position to be successful. So having a home base, number one, is, is the big key in being able to get really, really good at being simple. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not trying to throw out any secrets by any means, uh, but Coach Kane's defense is, it's evolving a little bit more this year because it's year two, but uh, very, very basic with what we were trying to do last year. And obviously we had some dudes and that's another key component is you've got to have some dudes and we had those guys. So defensively, the funny thing about defense is I kid our offensive coordinator, Noah Rapaski about this all the time. I said, defense changes every week because, like you just said, we might go play York, and they're in the wing tees. And, and then, you know, the next week we might play DeKalb County, who's in spread, and they're throwing that thing all over the yard. So, and we're going to see everything in between, you know, a power run game, no huddle spread, wing tee, double tight. I mean, we're going to see it all. So to get kids to understand that, hey, we've got to have a home base no matter what they're going to throw at us, and get really, really good at that, then you're going to have a successful team. As long as you can play fast and tackle uh, and, and trust the process, you're going to be good defensively. Um, and that's just my – that's something that he kind of uh, taught me because when I was coaching with Ben, you know, uh, he just – I was the guy. I was the defensive coordinator, and 
I had a defensive staff with uh, Coach Brian Johnson and Coach uh, Jeff Upshaw, but honestly, you know, we, we were just trying our hardest to put our kids in a position to be successful, and the way that we were doing that at the time was some of that fancy stuff. We were running some some exotic blitz stuff. We were running several different coverages. We were blitzing a lot and giving guys offenses different fronts. So when Coach Kane got here, we really reduced the playbook and just try to get really, really, really good at doing the little things. So that's something that I would relate to anybody. When I talk defense to anybody, that's the things that I start out with is how simplistic is your defensive playbook. And coaching as long as you have uh, at the high school level and now taking over the middle school side of things, you know, the middle school is the feeder system. It is the one that teaches the fundamentals, the the, the basic principles of, of whether it be softball, football, no matter what kind of sport it is. How is that different perspective taking over that program as the head coach kind of taught you some different things about who you are as a coach now that you are running a feeder program that's coming in and, and supporting the high school? Number one, I deal with a whole lot more behind the scenes crap. <laughs> that's one thing that that's one thing that Ben Heron done a great job of when he was the head coach of the high school and had tremendous success uh, for the years that he was here at Upperman and kind of got this thing rolling in the right direction because Upperman high school football was a bottom feeder. It was a, we played a lot of homecoming games when I was, you know, in in high school. We were a lot of people's homecomings because we just we we weren't very good. And I think the key to that was there was not stability. And there was not the same approach that we're trying to do now with, like you just said, teaching these kids the fundamentals at the ground level here in middle school. Now, of course, there is the Stinger program who does a good job. They try to get in with us about some of the things that we can help them do at that age group. But honestly, now looking at what we're trying to do, our goal is to get these kids prepared to go into high school football, freshman, and not lose a year. We want these kids in seventh and eighth grade to be developed enough to when they walk out on the field their freshman year, they know the drills, they know the offense, they know the defense, they know the terminology that we're speaking, and they can go and get their master's degree when they get into high school. I'm just trying to get that bachelor's degree taken care of down here. You know, <laughs> that's so a good I mean, way that's, of putting that's it. Been the, yeah, but that's a big deal for us because I never saw it until – I got over here, and Coach Phillips, who was at the middle school before, he done a great job, had a lot of success down here. But when Coach Kane got here, I got to work with him directly for a year. And I'm telling you, people want to know why he's, you know, 22-2 and two over his first 24 games. It's because of the, the time and the attention to detail. And we put a lot of time in. He put a tremendous amount of time outside of us meeting and us practicing to get his kids ready to play on Friday night. So I was able to see that and how to attack it that way. And I'll say this, there's more than one way to skin a cat because we, we put a lot of time in when Ben was there too, and he won a couple region titles, and we went 13-1 and one with him. So I went 13-1 and one and been to the semifinals with both coaches calling the defense. So there is absolutely more than one way to get things done. Uh, in, in a program, but now my goal is not to win games. Even though, I'll, you know, I will say, you know, this first year of middle school, we did, we, we put together an eight and two season and won our conference championship. Uh, and I was very proud of the kids because uh, didn't have a 
ton of success the previous year, but I'm also learning in middle school you're going to have a lot more turnover only having them for two years. But I will say this, my proudest moment of this season wasn't winning the championship or all the accolades that come along with that. It was being told that these kids are prepared to go into high school. Coach Kane came out there one night and watched us play, and he was just very complimentary of the way that they play with a lot of confidence and their level of preparedness. So I, I'm really proud of, of that and, and trying to get these kids ready to go so that way they don't lose a year as a freshman. They're ready, and that way they can compete at the JV level as freshmen and then, heck, by their sophomore year, most, if not all, will be hopefully ready to compete on a varsity level because when you play 3A football, you're going to have some sophomores that play. Sure. You know, you're going to have some dudes down there that, that can play, and, and, and that's a good thing because nothing can – you can't put a price tag on it, and and that's a huge, huge thing for us. We try to get these kids ready to play at a young age. That way, by their junior year and that way by their senior year, I'm telling you, if anybody's come to watch us play defensively or anything, not even defensively, but I'm just speaking from my, where I was at mostly, those kids this year as seniors have been playing for three seasons. They've got 30, 35 games under their belt, and they just fly around and play with such a level of confidence because they've been in the fire. They, they know what it's about. They've been tested against the best, against Cookville, against Livingston, against Red Bank, against Loud, against Alcoa. They played the best, and they stood toe-to-toe with them last year and just come out a little shy. And should have been so, Alcoa, in my opinion. So. Well, we, we, play, we, we play good enough to have a chance. And at the end of the day, that's all we talked about all week is give yourself a chance in the first quarter to get the second. Give yourself a chance after halftime to get to the third, to the fourth. And then we did that, and we were an onside kick away, which, you know, we recovered the onside kick and got it taken away from us. Then that's, you know, no, no, that, that's what I call us taught to do. They were taught to get that ball out of our hands, and they did it, you know, because you know, they're used to playing for championships. So hats off to them and, and their, their, uh, their team and their, their program because it's second to none in the state of Tennessee. We're talking to the head coach of the Upperman Middle School football team, the Upperman High School girls softball team, and uh, uh, assistant coach on the Upperman High School football team, Coach Dustin Williams. Uh, he also made ref- reference that he is a, c- a college basketball referee as well, so I don't know when he's ever home, but he's with us right now on Inside the Coach's Headset here on ucsportsnation.com. Uh, coach Williams, I, I – I, I know that you've had a lot of opportunities. I've I've seen some of your players. You've had a lot of opportunities for kids to move on to the next level and play in college. Reagan Hurst, uh, Sidney Shoemake, um, and, and the list goes on. How do you manage those expectations when, when those kids have those dreams and, and you want them to have the dreams because that means that they're going to work for you at the level that they're at right now. But when adversity comes to them, when they get into a slump of whatever whatever it is, whether it be football or, or softball, but also when these college coaches come and watch them, how do you manage that for the individual player that they might be coming and watching, meaning the college coaches, but the rest of the team as well? I know the team wants to perform well for those individual players, but in the same sense, being able just to kind of clear the noise and play the game. How, how do you manage that? from a coaching standpoint? Well, the biggest thing, I think, number one, is what what's helped me out is having two assistant coaches that, that know. Uh, my assistant, uh, Miriam Nash, 
She played uh, at ETSU. You know, she's played Division One college softball and played for Saudi Daisy and Clifford Kirk, who's won uh, multiple state championships. She won a state championship in high school, so she knows how to compete at the highest level. My Kirst obviously played Division One baseball at Tennessee Tech and has uh, just a crazy amount of knowledge of how the, the recruiting system works and how college, uh, how that stuff works. So I have a really good support system where, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up, you know, trying to pursue a baseball scholarship. And I, I didn't know a whole lot. And I'll be honest with you, I tell people that all the time. I didn't know a lot about softball when I took over. I, I joke around all the time. My very first year as an assistant coach with Ben Heron in 2013, you know, we went 32-8 and eight and went to the sub-state and got beat by one run and get ready to go to the, you know, the state tournament. And about all I knew when I took over is that a softball is bigger and it's yellow, you know. So that was a, an on-running joke that we had. Um, but uh, to get kids, I feel like, prepared the most is, number one, you're right, the, when somebody does come and watch, and I'll be honest with you with this, a lot of your recruiting, 90-whatever uh, percent, my curse might say 99% of your recruiting now occurs in the summer on the travel ball circuit. Um, and that's where a lot of college coaches go because instead of coming to see one or two players in a certain game, they can see 50, 60, 70, 100 players in a day. You know, So it's just more bang for your buck. But when college coaches do come to our facility or uh, when they are girls that are getting recruited – we talk a lot about what their goals and aspirations were. They wanted to pursue that. So now all they have to do is go and show out. You know, that's the fun part. You, you, you practice all year round. And softball, just like any other sport now, has turned into a year-round sport. There's fall leagues for softball. Oh, Obviously, yeah. in the winter, you're working out. In, in, in the fall or in the spring, you're playing high school season. In the summer, there's no breaks. Because if you play on into – you know, late May, like we want to every year, you know, you're going straight into your travel ball circuit. So, you know, girls that don't play multiple sports, you can literally play softball all year round. So that's, you work so hard all year long. And then when somebody comes to watch you, that's the fun part. That's the payoff. Because you put in all this time, effort, and work to get that opportunity. And I just, I, I, I spin it off like that right there and say, this is the fun part. This ain't hard. We, we, we say every single day in practice, practices are hard so the games can be easy. And we try to put our girls in every single situation every day to, to fail in practice. So that way we can learn because you never learn anything if you continue to have success. You learn from your failures. And one of our big quotes is that you never rise to the occasion in place. You always fall back to the level that you've been prepared at. So if we can put those girls into position to be unsuccessful in practice and learn, then in the game, when there are people there to watch when the lights come on, they can perform at a much higher level. And I think that's where that confidence comes because the girls know that there's not going to be very many. I mean, there's always going to be certain situations that you just did not practice for, that something crazy happens. But the girls are going to be able to perform higher at a level because they've been through all those things in practice. So, I mean, that just – and it shows, you know. It shows their, their confidence is there, and they feed off that. Dustin, one of the things that I always love asking every coach that I talk to, and, and it's, it's, I ask the same question on every podcast, is, is basically 
because we have such good coaches, no matter what the sport, in the Upper Cumberland area, uh, I, I love just finding out what their what their heart is about their players, and, and that is if if I picked any player that that came through your program, whether it's softball or football, it doesn't matter. But I asked him. What do you what do you remember the most about Coach Williams? What what would you hope they would respond with? Well, it depends on if you ask those players early on in my career or not. <laughs> uh, but but to be honest with you, Amos, um, the the one fear I have as a coach is that if a player this is from my, when I was first getting started is that a player would leave my program and not think that I cared about them. They only felt like I wanted them for their extrinsic stuff, wins, losses, accolades. And and I don't think they felt that way, but that was always something that aided me. So now the way that I look at it is I want any player, football or softball player that you come into contact with or basketball player that I've refereed, you know, more so in coaching because you, you're more personable that way than officiating. I want them to know that I held them accountable, held them responsible, held them responsible for themselves and others, and really cared about them. And, and they can always come back to me with stuff. And that's the cool thing right now is that I've started to have some former players coming back and coaching with me. And, and I'm around. My little brother is um, having a baby in January. He played on our 2013 uh, region championship team that went to the semifinals. And that was the team that really got us rolling down here. And uh, I, I was texting a bunch of the guys from that team that I coached that, or now my or now that are in college or maybe just out of college and uh, I guess kind of getting grown up really and getting married their own and having children and they're all going to come back over to my house in in November uh, to do a little a shower for my brother just a guy's afternoon and, and the fact that when I text these guys they're like absolutely coach I'll be their coach you know it's not I'll be their Dustin it's I'm still coach to them, and that and that's hilarious because I I refereed with one of my former players last week, Brett Nash. We were refereeing together, and he said, "We thank the coach." You know, it, it wasn't Dustin. It was you know that that was a cool thing for me is that I see these former players around the community now, and I want to see them have successes of their own. I want to see the girls be good moms and good wives, the the boys be good husbands, good fathers, and just good people around this community. Because I'm a lot for here, you know I'm. Born and raised, Baxter. Uh, my dad was uh, captain of the 82 football team. My little, uh, I was the captain of the 06 team. My little brother was captain of the 13 team. So we have a very rich – my uncle, who coaches on my staff now, was the captain of the 73 team. So there's a very rich tradition, and I just want to see these kids come back, whether it be Baxter, Cookville, Nashville, all across the nation, wherever they do, be better people and better humans. And, and just uh, that's, that's a big thing to me that I try to preach what's going to be remembered it's how you treated somebody not not how many wins and losses because you know it 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 don't matter you know it does not matter at the end of the day that does not matter one thing 20 years from now nobody's going to talk about golly that 13 one team they're going to talk about how did he treat me as a human being and so i would hope that that's what they would say you know i really do think that is now more so and i've tried to find all my and wilder as far as my annex. I'm sure you've heard as an umpire softball. I know my name kind of got thrown there. I'm not sure about being a wild card for umpires, but uh, 
you know, we I, just I have feel to like that. We just have to watch your P's and Q's a little bit better when, when you're on the field. <laughs> I thought, uh, yeah, so that's a whole different story for a whole different day. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk but, about that uh, in another episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's honestly, that's what I would say is I would really hope that when they left my program, they said, man, coach cared about me and he pushed me to be better and, and reach my success. But at the end of the day, he cared about me and, and me personally. Well, Dustin, I greatly appreciate you joining us here on Inside the Coach's Headset. You have been listening to Inside the Coach's Headset, our podcast here on ucsportsnation.com, brought to you by Tony Smith, your shelter insurance agent. Call Tony at 528-7079 or go see him at his office at 425 East Broad Street right here in Cookville. Dustin, best of luck to you. Thank you so much for being on with us and uh, always enjoy talking to you and hopefully we'll get to do this again sometime. Absolutely. I appreciate what you do uh, for the Upper Cumberland and for coaches and for players alike. And it's just, uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on here today. Thank you. Inside the Coach's Headset, presented by Tony Smith, your hometown shelter insurance agent. Call Tony at 528-7079. 528-7079. The X's and O's of coaching from the Upper Cumberland's best as we go inside the coach's headset.